it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and we got a good one today coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. National best-selling author of The Last Fallen Star, the first book in the Gifted Clans trilogy, Korean Kiwi diplomat-turned-author Gracie Kim writes about the magic she wants to see in the world. Her second book in the uh, Gifted Clans trilogy is The Last Fallen Moon. That has just come out. We'll talk with Gracie about that. And then um, in the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning New Yorker writer of the really big one, Catherine Schultz, about her new book, Lost and Found, which is kind of a memoir, I think, and uh, we'll get into all that. But we start out talking a little bit about finance with the founder of Aspen Wealth Management, Justin Wine. He'll be with us in just a few minutes, but since we have an extra few minutes and we're going to be talking about finance and money and them that's got and them that's not, we're going to have a little knockoff from from Billie Holiday to start out today's show.
Sunshine Radio For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Oh Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to turn our attention back to the economy again this hour. As my guest is the uh, founder of Aspen Wealth Management, Justin Wine. He joins me by phone. Good morning, Justin. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, why didn't dropping the... Uh, or, or, or releasing some of the strategic petroleum reserve bring gas prices down? It's a good question, Tom, and one we've done a lot of thinking about, and it's really a complicated problem. The United States uses a very significant number of barrels of oil a day, and given the little drips that we've released, it may be a short-term fix, but it's not a long-term solution. And I want to be cautious to persons in your audience that we really have a longer-term energy problem in this country. And if we are talking about solutions, it needs to be a global approach. And we need to develop our own energy independence and further opportunities so that we don't continue to be blown around and continue to be victimized by groups like OPEC, Russian oil, and have to come back to our South American quote-unquote friends and other parties in the Middle East uh, where we are looking to them to solve our problems. We do have our own solutions here, and it's going to take a collective effort by our government and policy to support our energy industry here and not persecute them as we have in the prior decades. Well, you've been watching what, what companies are, are doing and how they're reacting <clears throat> to some of these things. And I think a lot of people are curious. You know, they um, prices go up, the president goes on TV, says, you know, I'm going to release some oil so we can bring these prices down. And he releases the oil and the prices keep going up. So people are a little cynical, you know, when someone tells them they're going to do something that's going to be good for them. And uh, in with regard to um, a more global and more long-term approach to dealing with uh, energy and, and some other climate-related things, I would add, um, how well is is business um, and and corporations in America 
how how well are they responding to the potential crises? Well, as it relates to the oil companies, they're doing very well, and they are seeing their profits up to the order of 500 to 1,000%. Revenues are up by 2 or 3x, and they are enjoying their day in the sun, whereas in the past, they've really struggled, and they've made investment to develop our U.S. domestic energy, but they haven't been rewarded with the sustainability and the support to wish to keep investing. And well, that's so, one of the problems yeah. with oil companies, Justin, is they do really good when there's a big emergency. But it's the everyday ongoing thing that they don't seem to be addressing and dealing with. In other words, when when they lose a, a, an oil platform or there's a big oil spill somewhere with a, a tanker or, you know, something, and you'd think that profits would be down that quarter. But they're rarely ever down that quarter because prices get boosted and supplies get adjusted and, and all of that. So when those urgencies come up, oil companies are pretty good at, you know, riding those storms. But like you suggest, it's the it's the everyday thing. Yes, um, you've touched on a lot of topics here. And uh, you're right, prices are sticky when they go up. They're slow to come down, but we do need to keep in mind that oil is a global marketplace and the energy companies are, are, are more price takers than makers. And so historically, they've invested billions and billions of dollars. And if you look at their profits on a long tail basis, um, they are not quite the fat cats that they, they get politicized as. So the solution is that we need to give the energy companies the confidence that if they spend billions of dollars drilling holes, that they're going to be able to not have windfall profit taxes because we have to remember that the shareholders of energy companies are everyday persons that are pension holders and public uh, pensions and individual investors, and they have outlaid this public money to invest the money that seems exorbitant in times of crisis is often money that may not even repay the historical investment. So what we need to solve the problem, as you relate it to your, your listeners, is that we need a sustainable policy. And if we could get to a, a place, then everybody feels comfortable investing, we can flatten the, the volatility a little bit as other markets have more predictability. More with Justin Wine from Aspen Wealth Management. Straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. 
Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Justin Wine from Aspen Wealth Management straight ahead. You know, here's a, a point that I, I've been thinking about for a little while, and I can't seem to, to find anybody that can um, that can zero in on it um, for me. And that's, for a long time, 
I have noticed companies, big and small, in the U.S., um, shifting their marketing and some of their policies and procedures to more green practices. And they businesses were saying many years ago we first started talking about climate change is if there's a real problem the you know the free market will adjust and will fix it and i guess what i can't figure out is the the doomers that say you know if, if we haven't made big changes by 2050 or 2040 or whatever the newest number is if we um if we haven't gotten our act together by then, um, it's game over. But these changes are happening, and what I can't seem to get a handle on or get somebody else to explain where the handle is, is are these companies, when they make changes, are they buying us more time? Does that 2040, 2050 number, does that go up with each adjustment that, that, reduces carbon footprints a little bit do, do you know what i mean yeah i, I do i don't know if and, i asked uh, the, if i set it up very well justin um i was kind of fumbling to get the point out but the idea is you know if we act now even in small ways you know we don't have to completely replace oil this year but no if we, we, we certainly can't and if we made huge efforts we would potentially be able to get to a place where we have more sustainable energy and and companies are working in this direction, but we are a very, very long way away from being in a, a very eco-green, fossil fuel-free uh, type of, of environment. We use 100 million barrels of oil a day. <laughs> I know, it's, uh, in those numbers are hard, and, hard to imagine. And uh, I'm sorry, around the, around the world. And uh, yeah, around the world, and we can't replace that with wind turbines and solar panels uh, so readily. So every little bit helps, but we we have to be very realistic. And, well, and what I, we need to do, and what yes. I'm trying to do is is um, you know talk to the 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 people that seem to be on the verge of panic. That for every effort that's being made, we're buying a little bit more time. Yes, yes, but as we look at other topics where we are facing the data that is grim, whether it's uh, entitlement programs or uh, government budgets, we are not highly motivated to make these changes, and so we do see a lot of greenwashing. We pay a lot of lip service on a whole lot of topics, but politicians want to kick the can down the road, and I'll, uh, and I'll pick on the left and the right that everybody is focused on these election cycles. And if the president is in the news right now, cynical people are paying attention and saying, hey, we've got midterm elections coming up. So of course this is the commentary. Of course we're going to blame this on Putin's war. Of course we're going to assign blame everywhere. And as a nation, we are very good at assigning blame. I think we need to come together better and try to address the problems in a much more collaborative and collective way. And I'm afraid that until we can be better at this, we're going to see a lot more of the same, and uh, the crises will continue to pop up, and we'll, we'll, we will maintain this kind of volatility. And, and just as a segue, um, 
you know, we, we, we can look at the food crisis and, uh, and, and what's happening now with, with wheat and uh, all these other food items that are, are, are now risking 1.6 billion people uh, towards food insecurity. It's an unbelievable problem. We have problems everywhere, and we need real strong government uh, collaboration with the private sector to begin to address all of these problems. But we've had, you know, issues with hunger in the past, and um, I, I want to say it was Yankee ingenuity, but, you know, the, the truth is that smart people got together and figured out ways. Um, I'm thinking of Martin Barlock, for example, and the dwarf wheat, and you know, all of a sudden millions of people in India were eating better than they had ever before and you know we we have the resources to address some of these things if we'll just do it well okay so let's let's look at some of the numbers here yeah please. wheat prices are up this wheat prices are up 53% since the beginning of the year another 6% uh, just on May 16th alone India is suspending exports of wheat because of an alarming heat wave. Um, we can look at Ukraine that's laid in their seas with mines to protect their coastlines from Russian warships. We can't even get the 30% of wheat that these countries, Russia and Ukraine, collectively provide to the world out of the region uh, as long as this war continues. And then uh, we can look at other food that those two nations I believe collectively provide 12% of the world calories. Um, so this war is going to have long-reaching uh, forces that we can't just intellect our way out of or uh, easily negotiate. 75% of the sunflower oil comes out of the Ukraine. Uh, maybe Russia and Ukraine together. Um, I think 15% of corn uh, comes out of the region. Um, in Egypt, 30% of all calories are consumed in the form of bread. In emerging households and economies, um, families spend as much as 25% of their budgets on food. It's as high as 50% in parts of sub-Saharan Africa. So we're talking about global uh, pandemic-type risks that policy, is not, uh, policy alone is not going to fix. We need real, real solutions here. And... Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just make a, a small commentary that we're very concerned about a lot of quasi-first world problems domestically in this country, but um, Americans do need to have some global perspective and maybe pull back the, the lens a little bit and, 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 and see that the world is full of conflict everywhere and it is harming American families that oil prices are high, but they've been this way in Europe for a long time. It's, it's why they drive small cars. Well, yeah, and that that goes back to forty or fifty years ago. I, I, I mean, right after World War II, um, gas prices started being very high in Europe. Um, but I guess I, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, we've got these these tough problems, but can't we find some encouragement in the fact that? Um, that at least in some corporate quarters and and maybe some government quarters, uh, voices are finally being heard. 
I think so. And it's a little bit disappointing that it takes a crisis to bring people to action. But uh, <laughs> it, always ha- it always has, Justin. <laughs> sure. sure. And, and you've been covering the news for a very long time. So I would ask you, as one that is intimately uh, aware of, of the crises that we've experienced, if you look back on three, six, nine, twelve months, one, three, five years, how many crises were front and center news stories for a moment that have gone away, but certainly haven't been solved? And, and I would, I would, I would put this back to you: How often are we talking about Ukraine anymore? Right? This was all the news, but now it's a, uh, it might be third page news, and, and that's the sad state of the way we engage our problems. We we move from crisis to crisis. And politicians focus on the moment, the, the, the challenge of the day, all the while considering their re-election. And I think that's something we need to address in this country and uh, around the world. Uh, you tell me, what, what do you think? I, I think you're right, and I um, have, have wondered, you know, a lot of people think it's get the money out of politics. Well, yeah, if you can get the money out of politics, get the money out of politics. Uh, a lot of people think it's... Um, gerrymandering well yeah if you can get independent and you know reasonable districts drawn you know that should that should help a little bit with the gridlock and some of the problems but at the end of the day if people don't vote none of those things matter we can outvote the money interests in in politics but we don't that's right that's right. And, and we can redraw the political lines quarter over quarter, but maybe we should just leave them the way they are and let people move where they want to live. And if you have a political ideology, then go live in that state and let that state adjust. And so I've left New York City and now live in Miami Beach, Florida, along with all the rest of the Californians and the New Yorkers and Texas and Miami and Florida have been net beneficiaries of politics and tax policy, and uh, those states are performing. So business and political policy really does matter and influence the way we behave and and the way these politics may be written. So uh, I think it's still being written, but it's been an interesting phenomenon to see, whereas historically these have been slower movements, but in the time of a crisis like this, massive uh, shifts have occurred, and I think it'll be good to study and try to learn and understand better. What's happening with um, with automation? I've talked to several people about this, and um, artificial intelligence, some media that you read, you know, well, and I, I remember when Andrew Yang wrote his book and announced he was running for president and came out with the UBI idea, the universal business inc- or uh, basic income. And his argument was that there's going to be so much technology and so much AI that there won't be enough jobs to go around. And so we need to rework the economy to function under those conditions. But I talked to a, a lot of other people um, who who think that that's uh, a grim and not very accurate prediction. I hope our civilization as we know it can live long enough to become 
a community where machines and AI can automate all the processes that are manually established today as we know it. I think that it's great that AI and machines have changed the way we do everything. Uh, look at what machines have done for agriculture and how economists 100, 200 years ago used to talk about how there could not possibly be enough food to feed all of these people and not enough resources and that the world would collapse upon itself with population, but here we are. And so the evolution of technology has helped us to have competitive advantage where certain nations have become great at technology and exported this, and that's made efficiencies, and it's lifted standards of living from what was otherwise an agrarian local economy to one where we can have higher paying jobs and higher standards of living. And I think the world has benefited from this and should continue to. It never feels good when it's yourself or your neighbor that gets laid off because they used to make, uh, you know, I don't know, license plates and hubcaps. Um, but when we retrain, there's some pain, but the collective good is the net result. And so well, we need to continue we, that. And we, we, and we, we need to keep educating towards this direction. We, we survived the uh, Industrial Revolution, and, and I like to think we can, we've still got a few big changes left in us. Um, what are some of the things that you recommend to people to protect themselves from the kind of um, volatility that you and I have been talking about now for a little while? Do you mean specifically the volatility in daily consumable goods that we need to spend our money on? Well, you know, I, I find it, um, I find it very difficult to imagine that there was a guy, a state senator, a Democrat in Texas, um, after the Uvalde shooting just recently, who uh, made a statement in in local media down there, or maybe it was on CNN, I don't know, but he said. Um, I live in a state where, you know, it's it's easy to buy a gun, but we can't get baby formula. And it was it was an interesting political bit of rhetoric, um, but the problem is there there is something odd and disconcerting about people not being able to go to their local grocery store and buy baby formula. It reminds me of, uh, you know, Russian bread lines. It does. And, and I, I, I can't say I have enough background to understand why we can't get baby food. But <laughs> more broadly speaking, you know, and we, I, we can't when buy I bring anything. these things up, I don't, under, I don't understand it. We can't buy anything today. I you can't buy a car. You can't buy furniture. You can't buy some luxury goods. Um, and you can't buy a lot of basic things, but people vote with their wallets, and people like guns, and people buy them. And uh, without getting political, oh yeah, um, and I, I think I, people's I think people's priorities are are misaligned. And and as it relates to people protecting themselves, I see a lot of consumerism, and I see a lot of young people being influenced by social media. They want to fit in, and consumers are aspirational. 
and young people aren't thinking about the good education that they can get and saving their money to become better educated, to compete in a, in a workforce, they want to buy branded T-shirts, they want makeup, and I, I, I'm afraid that we've become a little bit led astray a Hollywood and, and celebrity aspirationalism. I was uh, trying um, trying to steer the conversation away from these these big dark clouds that we see in in so many different directions and talk to people a little bit about like you say for example you have advice to um, investors to sell your losers you know the old um, yeah. the the uh, the old maxim was, you know, sit on it, the money, you know, the price will come back. Ride it out. But you're saying that's not the best move anymore. I really don't believe that. I, 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 I believe yeah, that you do need to be a little bit more thoughtful and careful. And so if we look into the recent market trends, um, people have become armchair investors without really understanding what they're doing. And that may have even started <laughs> well, back but in there's 2000. An, but Justin, there's an app for that. Yeah, that's right. And, and, so and I'm being facetious. About a company. Yeah, I'm yeah, being you facetious. Can, you can, I, I'll tell you, Tom, I remember in 2000 when I started in this business as a financial advisor, I had people calling in with what we now understand as FOMO, saying, hey, I want to buy some of that YooHoo because I heard it's going to make me money. And Yoohoo is a chocolate milk, and Yahoo was a company that was changing <laughs> the Internet at the time. And so, you know, we are focused on getting rich quickly, and, and we are a little bit away from the kinds of stable companies that maybe my generation and yours used to be able to have stability in. IBM was a great company, uh, and it still is, and they're fighting their way back to relevance but there are so many dynamic changes happening in our digital economy that there are a lot of winners and there certainly be a lot of losers. So your, your listeners and investors need to be very careful. There needs to be a balance about how you allocate your money. Some of it has to be saved for tomorrow, and some of it can be risked in some of the next generation technologies like Web 3.0. And um, we can talk about the trends of where uh, I can see uh, opportunity for investment, what kinds of companies if you like. Well, the the time is going by so fast, Justin. I think that that maybe we should skip ahead and talk about, uh, and and we're almost out of time. And I want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, and and if you can recommend some good books or websites or or resources where people can maybe better arm themselves. Okay. Well, that's a great question. So I want investors to focus on high-quality news, and I want them to go to some unbiased sources where they're a little less politicized. Your uh, listeners could look at Bloomberg, for example, where they really do a good job of reporting the facts. I want to encourage listeners to understand the, their, understand the trends of the next digital economy and where where are people where are businesses spending money so that's enterprise software it's cybersecurity, it's stability in healthcare, it is um technology but big technology 
be very careful how you allocate your money to little, small companies. Many will change the world we live in, and we remember Facebook in the beginning at $38 on the IPO. Um, but we need to have a balance between investing in future technology and the stability of really good incumbent companies that are good values. So continue to look at the big names, continue to look at Facebook, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and then some of the other companies that are very well established. Look at big companies that feel stable and have the cash to weather a storm where uh, it, it may be a little bit difficult for the, the coming uh, months in the market. Well, Justin, do you, uh, uh, I'll just remind people that uh, my guest is Justin Wine. He's the founder of Aspen Wealth Management. Justin, do you have a website you'd like to share? I do. Please come look. It's www.aspen-wm.com. That's Aspen like the city. You're welcome to come have a look. You can find my email there. Send me a note if you'd like to have a discussion or have some questions. I'll be glad to send out some articles and try to make some relevant uh, comments to your personal situation. All right. Well, Justin, thank you so much for spending this time with me this morning, and keep up the good work. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I wish you the best of luck as well. Take care. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight. <laughs> comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and 
see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, George Parr, uh, you are an investment banker. I am, yes. Yes. 
and as such you have your fingers right on the pulse of the financial market. Yeah, very much so, yes. And uh, during the summer there's been uh, a great deal of turbulence and volatility, volatility, volatility in the market, yes. yes. Tremendous, yes, tremendous. Yes, yes. and uh, what has caused that? Well, uh, you have to remember two things about the market. One is that they are made up of very sharp and sophisticated people mm. who, uh, um, these are the greatest brains in the world. And the second thing you have to remember is that the financial markets, uh, to use the common phrase, are driven by sentiment. Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, uh, things, let's say, are just going along as normal in the market. And then, suddenly, out of the blue, one of these very sharp and sophisticated people says, My God, something awful is going to happen! Uh, we, we lost everything! Oh, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, uh, shall I jump out of the window? Shall I jump out of the window? <laughs> Let's all jump out of the window! We, oh, we, sell! We've lost a sell! 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 sell. Yes, precisely. Yes, precisely. <laughs> and then, a few days later, this same uh, sophisticated person says, You know, I think things are going rather well. And everybody says, yes, I, I agree with you. I think we're rich. We're rich. Yeah. We're rich. Bye-bye-bye. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye-bye, yes. yes. And that, that is, that's what we call market sentiment. Uh, but, uh, well, <laughs> yes, uh, surely we are exaggerating just a bit, aren't well, we? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, in August, in the middle of August this year, when the market absolutely plunged in, in London, the, uh, a well-known city firm, uh, State Street Global Markets, mm -hmm. uh, issued a statement in which it said, and I quote, Market participants don't know whether to buy on the rumour and sell on the news. Do the opposite, do both, or do neither, depending on which way the wind is blowing, unquote. <laughs> yes, and this is the kind of rigorous analysis, analysis. the companies <laughs> will pay huge salaries huge. for. Yes, exactly. Mm. And a, a few days later, when the markets have gone up a little bit, the senior equities advisor on ABM, Ambro Morgan, said, and I quote, we're back to happy days again. <laughs> well, no price is too high for that, uh, no. for that kind uh, of and mature and wisdom. Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of people are, are paid millions of pounds in bonuses. Yes, of course. Uh, during this summer, there have been actual causes behind the volatility in the markets, yes, haven't there? I yes. mean, specifically and especially in America, uh, granting vast numbers of mortgages. Mm. Uh, to people who can't afford them yes. on properties which are diminishing in value. Yes, it's a so-called subprime uh, situation. Yes, the subprime market. Yes. How, how does that work, in fact? Well, imagine, uh, if you can, uh, say, <coughs> an unemployed black man sitting on a crumbling porch somewhere in Alabama in his string vest, and mm -hmm. <laughs> a, a chap comes along and says, would you like to buy this house before it falls down? And um, why do you let me lend you the money? And is this chap who says this, is he a banker? Oh, no, no, no. He's a mortgage salesman. He's depend his income depends entirely on the number of mortgages that he can arrange. So his judgment to arrange mortgages is completely objective? Completely objective, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, and what happens next? Well, then, this debt, this mortgage, is, is, is debt, is, 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 is taken, uh, bought by a bank, and packaged together mm -hmm. on Wall Street with a lot of other uh, similar debts. Without going into much detail about what is actually... Without going into any detail. No, it's far too boring. <laughs> and so this is, this is put into a package of debt, and, so, and then it's moved on to Wall Street, and this, this is it's extraordinary what happens then, that mm -hmm. somehow this package of dodgy debts stops being a package of dodgy debts and starts being what we call a structured investment vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
S-I-V? And S-I-V, exactly, yes, yes. Yes, I see. And then someone like you comes along and, 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 and buys it. I, I buy it, yes. And uh, yes. then I will ring up, I don't know, somebody in Tokyo and say, look, I've got this package, do you want to buy it? Mm-hmm. And they say, what's in it? I say, I haven't got the faintest idea. <laughs> and they say, how much do you want for it? And I say, a hundred million dollars. And then, then they say, fine, that's it. And that's the, that's the market. <laughs> and presumably, this package, I mean, that kind of thing can happen several times oh, to the could, same yes, could, uh, possibly, package. Possibly, yes. And, uh, and every time it does, of course, um, then you, or someone like you, will get a fee and a markup. And, and a profit, and, yes. And, yes. and, and so well, you can't expect us to do it for nothing. It's hard work, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> In view of the fact that, that in these packages there's a lot of dodgy debt, mm. uh, what is it about it that attracts the, the financial, investor. you know, yes. risk-takers? Yes, well, because um, these, for these hedge funds, as they're called, which specialize in these debts, um, they all have very good names. You mean they're responsible <laughs> companies? No, no, I don't know. It's nothing to do with their reputation. They have actually very, very good names. They're, the names they think up of them are very good. I'll give you an example. <laughs> there, there, there's a, a very well-known American Wall Street firm called Bear Stearns mm -hmm. who have two of these hedge funds which specialize in these, these mortgage debts. And uh, they lost so much money, well, lost so much of its value, that Bear Stearns announced that they would have to put in $3.2 billion dollars into one of the funds to try and keep it afloat. 3.2 billion dollars? 3.2 billion, yes, yes. And even then they said the investors couldn't get any money out of it and they were going to let the other fund go. But one of these funds was called the High Grade Structured Credit Strategies Fund and the other was called the High Grade Structured Credit Enhanced Leverage Fund. <laughs> well, that sounds very good. That's it? good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is the, the magic of the market. What started off as lending a few thousand dollars to an unemployed black man in a string vest has become a high-grade structured credit enhanced leverage fund. <laughs> I like the sound of it. It is good. Well, it sounds very trustworthy. I mean, it's got good words in it. It's got yes. words like high. High is good. High is good. Yes. Better than low, anyway, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and structured is another good word. Very good. Enhanced. Is I love enhanced. Enhanced is very good. I mean, I'd buy anything if it said enhanced. Absolutely. Yes. It might have been different if it said the unemployed black man in the string vest fund, but... but, but <laughs> yes, because then uh, alarm bells might start <laughs> to, to ring. But uh, despite these very plausible names, mm -hmm. surely the reality is that the people that lent all this money have been incredibly stupid. Oh, no. No, no. The reality is that what was stupid is for at some point somebody asked how much money these houses were actually worth. That's I mean, stupid. if they hadn't bothered to ask that question, then everything would have gone on as perfectly normal. But they, unfortunately, they did. I see. But now, you see, people are saying the crisis is likely to turn into a financial meltdown. I mean, can that be avoided? It can be avoided, provided uh, that governments and central banks give us, the financial speculators, back the money that we've lost. <laughs> but isn't that rewarding greed and stupidity? No, no. It's rewarding what the Prime Minister Gordon Brown called the ingenuity of the markets. That is <laughs> you see, and, and, and we, don't want, we don't want this money to spend on ourselves. We want this money just to go into the market so that we can carry on borrowing and lending money as if nothing had happened without thinking too much about it. <laughs> yes, but if the worst came to the worst, then... Uh, you didn't get this money, what then? 
Well, then there'd be another market crash, and then I would say to you what people like me always say, that it's not us that will suffer, it's your pension fund. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs>